and this is the Sober Mess Podcast and you're very welcome. Today I'm joined by a person who's been a massive influence in my life, a bit a massive teacher in my life and a really good friend. Today I'm joined with Bren Kavanagh. Bren is a Bren is the founder of the Shauna Kavanagh Foundation. He's also uh, one of Ireland's top entrepreneurs uh, and CEO of uh, the whole hugely successful Olive Group. Uh, as well as all that, he's mad into mindfulness and meditation and is a black belt in mental health awareness and well-being. And he's done all that stuff with one massive affliction, being from Bray. <laughs> Bren, how are you, man? How are you getting on? Great form, Colin. And uh, thanks very much for um, the uh, lead up. My ego is in full flight. <laughs> I was just thinking that I'm much more than that. Like I do <laughs> loads of other things. <laughs> but um, no, thanks for that. It's great to be on the show. I've, I've listened to all of the um, all of the podcasts that you've done, and uh, I think it's tremendous work. Well done to you. Jesus, sorry to hear that, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> really suffering. Yeah. yeah. No, cheers, man. So Peace good. out, that. No, that's, that's Davey, man. But, um, so, so Brian, straight into it, no messing. So tell me, what, what for you gauges happiness? Like, what is happiness for you? Um, it's a fantastic question, and it's one that I think for the last probably 16 years I've been working on. And, um, you know, as you know, very interested in, um, you know, developing spiritual practices and stuff like that. And, you know, at a certain point in my life, um, you know, I, um, I had to find another way because I was terribly unhappy. So in terms of the question of what is happiness, I know what the opposite is. And that's, um, I know what being unhappy is and, um, so I think I, in, on my journey, I think um, I discovered a number of things along the way that uh, happiness can be an addiction, you know? Mm. Um, that was one major discovery that I had in the sense that um, I found that a bit like, you know, part of, of my sort of life was, um, constantly chasing buzzes, you know, chasing sort of happy buzzes and yeah. um, whatever I could get my hands on um, to help me to enjoy that um, or sort of including lying to myself or um, trying to get um, things um, in an easy way, etc. Like that. But it kind of always, it kind of always has um, sort of tracked with me that you know, my old man used to say, oh, nothing worth having never came easy and all those kind of things. But I think happiness, when I say it's another addiction, I think that I'm talking about uh, sort of this temporary stuff that we go after. You know what I mean? Yeah. Part of it is like we postpone our happiness to some event in yeah, the future. There's potential, there's, there's like destination syndrome. It's like, I want to get that thing. And that's, and that's what it was. I used to believe when I was younger, you know, in my addiction, you know, I 
was just until happiness was getting drunk or doing drugs or gaining this thing and then and then like i went through this thing you know happiness is actually getting a promotion or no happiness is getting the girl or happiness is getting the car or the, the or the followers on instagram or the, the marathon and it's the thing it was just the thing that was going to make me happy mm. in the distance the nice shiny thing and i put all my like i'd spend my whole life saving up for this lamborghini and finally i get the lamborghini and i'm driving out of garage and i'm thinking i love the buzz and next thing someone always takes me in a porsche and then i'm like oh, maybe it was the porsche i need to get so next thing That's we start chasing the porsche like, again yeah. as soon as we get that high it only lasts a couple of seconds then the anti-climax comes yeah, it's a temporary you, hit isn't yeah, it yeah. yeah and and like so that's why i was sort of um you know slow to sort of um define happiness because um you know it's a relative term and um in in my own sort of pursuit of happiness um was where i found uh, myself um beginning the journey to understand it was uh, realizing that it was on the inside not on the outside yeah. you know I mean? and that anything is, as you describe it and, and i've been there and got the jersey as they say anything that i thought would be outside whether it was the person the place the thing or the the situation um never hit the you know um never really hit the target and it was always as you described it temporary didn't yeah. and uh, so usually on my ass I ended up again starting with um, a realization that these kind of external things material things um, you know the relationship that I was probably uh, you know pursuing that would make me happy um, you know whether it was a friendship or whether it was a job or this or the other, anything that was outside uh, never hit the target for me you yeah. know? and I had to realize that I had a lot of work um, to actually do unlearning my definition of what's going to make me happy yeah it's, it's mad isn't <laughs> it yeah. Sense, yeah. and like happiness is, it's like a journey depends on where you're at because you can say like, if you're 15 happiness is oh, getting this new Gucci fucking hat or you know the, the Nike runners that is happiness yeah. and then as you get out and then if someone maybe that's 80 happiness is just spending time with family or mm. nice simple things and I think happiness is subjective to where you are in your journey like you know what I mean or it could be in what part of the country you're in what part of the world you're in what social class you're in everyone has a different perception yeah. of what happiness is like my, my, me pers- my personal happiness and my personal perception of success is, is just having peace of mind you know being able to go to bed at night and saying right I, I have peace of mind you know what I mean like, I'm not chasing things and simple things like getting in the sea or going for a run or de- being creative being in that creative flow and you know we were talking about that earlier you know when you're just in the present moment you're so intensely present and I, I love that about the sea because I jump into the sea like it just reefs me into the present moment you know like something just grabs me and brings me here to this very moment no matter what I'm thinking about or what I'm worried about is I'm just here now feeling the color of my body them deep breaths it's just I'm just intensely in the moment and it's similar people might get it when they're doing writing or writing lyrics or journaling or even playing sports I get it playing football or when I'm boxing I'm just brought into the present moment where nothing else exists I'm just yeah. there and you know we were talking we were talking earlier about our sense of self and finding who we are and we get so attached to you know 
attach our mind and thinking in our mind around anxiety and worry and you know constantly just trying to ease the anxiety and the worry rather than trying to find the happiness like you know yeah what I mean? absolutely and and the, the the strange thing is that um you know what you talked about there in terms of being in the sea like um it was um very much in line with what mindfulness teaches us you know that when you let in in the 40 foot or um in the vika or whatever into the sea um you can only be with your breath because you're trying to find it yeah. <laughs> you can't be you know half an hour later or half an hour behind because your body is immediately sort of present to the change in temperature yeah. and um you know then also you're trying to regulate your breath and mm. all that so it's a, it's a wonderful uh, thing uh, to do and the same in terms of sport as you say or writing music or whatever you can only be with the note there and then you can only be uh, present with your opponent if you're boxing yeah. there and then so these a lot of people you know when it comes to meditation um, I think they they probably start in the wrong place they think that they have to and I did and that's how I know that <laughs> like they think that they have to first of all do up the room and paint it and get as many uh, little Buddhas in there as they can and uh, candles and incense and all that sort of stuff which are all handy to have and I have them as well because they create a nice environment and then about 10 minutes into their first meditation they're going my mind's all over yeah when someone said to me you know like recommended I do some mindfulness and meditation mm. like, oh, straight away the ego took over and I intellectualized it I read all the books you know uh, Edgar Tall Anthony DeMello yeah. read all the books about meditation done it like a meditation course how to teach it you know and uh, but did I actually meditate did I do the act of meditation no yeah. I didn't because yeah. it was because again it was my mind saying oh, if, we do, if we get that thing over there yeah. then I'll be and this is it chasing the chasing the meditation rather than just actually doing it exactly the same and in my mind i mean um you know in another life that we we both know know ourselves and i always wanted to be you know the fastest um improver and um you know the most followers and all this sort of stuff and like and mindfulness was the same for me i wanted to be come the dalai lama or whatever that was just part of my desperation to be loved do you know what i mean and um i think um internally um what i found over a period of time like you that actually mindfulness is the under foundation of, the, of mindfulness is first of all non-judgment mm. and learning that that's probably the most difficult thing to practice of all literally just becoming an interested observer of mm. your thoughts you know? yeah. and then secondly mindfulness is very simple wherever you are there you are yeah that's it and so a great example of being in the sea boxing writing music all that sort of stuff and it's great because it goes with you then you don't have to be sitting in a corner trying to levitate you know (laughs) and trying to stop your mind from jumping around yeah that that was the thing like 
as you've talked about getting me wanting the balls, you know, and I get the I find sometimes I can struggle to meditate, you know what I mean? Because I just don't go, I can't wait to meditate, you know. It's like just the balls I don't really get. I, I love it when I can connect, but a lot of times I struggle to just sit still and sit in the moment. Whereas I find doing the, the sea swimming or if I going for a run or being doing creative writing or whatever it is, and listening to music as well, just mm. being in the present, you know, that that stuff also helps me to yeah. kind of be in the now like you know and that is meditation Dalai Lama talks all the time about uh, the illusions people have around meditation that he, he would be of the opinion that you can be permanently in meditation if you do what you're talking about yeah. just bring it with you everywhere when you're with somebody look into their eyes like we're sitting here having a chat and be with them that's yeah. mindfulness being present, you know I mean? yeah. being present for them and then also and doing all the things you like doing cycling or, or mm. uh, sport or um you know at college or whatever when you wherever you are there you are just be there just so deeply engaged in something it could be a podcast like this <laughs> could be music you know yeah. it could be conversation that really? you know, you're, just, you're just absent from your mind you know you're just in the in the moment that's it and i think the problem and i know this again uh through pain rather than virtue and uh, the problem is that when you sit to meditate and um, your mind wanders, people see that as um, doing something wrong. They don't realize that the wandering is part of the meditation. Mm. So, so the you know the purpose of meditation is to tame the mind. So because the mind, as we know, is a wonderful slave but a terrible master, <laughs> and so when it comes to meditation and particularly in the first uh, while when you're starting to practice the realization that the the untrained mind wonders yeah. and wonders a lot you yeah. know so i think if you come to every meditation as if it's the first meditation and if the mind wonders just notice the wondering without judgment that's the piece that people forget yeah. without judgment notice the wondering of the mind I say, oh, my mind has wondered, that's interesting. And now I'm going to gently guide it back to the breath or whatever. That, because that is part of the meditation. There's no such thing as a good meditation or a bad meditation. Because without judgment, it's just meditation. Yeah. You've showed up, you've noticed the wondering. And it's like a kid or a doggy that runs away and you keep bringing them back. After a while, it just stays. And after a while, when you light the incense or you see the sea or whatever what happens is your body actually is inextricably linked with your mind mm. so what happens is it, when you smell the incense your body will start relaxing when you see the sea come over that hill in Kalini and you start to see the sea your body will say oh yeah it's time for uh, yeah. relaxation and stuff like that and um, the um, that you know that association like so if I have no if I have no if I'm hungry and I think of my favorite food yeah like I know yours is probably watercress and cucumber <laughs> mine's a big steak <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, but if I think about that and uh, but I'm and I'm starving like saliva starts to come into my mouth do you know what I mean yeah. like the enzymes mm -hmm. but there is no steak. Yeah. 
So the mind and the, the body mind, are linked. Yeah. It is. The, I mean? And so it's even, it's always like, do you ever notice when you're getting close to your house and you're putting the keys in the door, you're forced to go to the jack. That's the time you leak. And, and that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It gets worse and worse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's like it's the a, brain knows you're nearly home, so the toilet's there. So it's like, you're trying to get the key in the door and you're like, come on, will you? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And the thing is, that is mindfulness. Like the, the, the mind and the body are inextricably linked. And, so a lot of people who suffer from anxiety and uh, also suffer in the body somewhere yeah. whether it's in their uh, usually in the guts you know they're in that gut feeling that like, there's no coincidence all these yeah. sayings that we hear yeah. you know or having it you know pain in my gut from anxiety yeah. and worrying and all that sort of thing and a lot of cancers have been um you know um, no, created by that as well yeah, yeah. And it's so true. I was like, oh, no, I feel it right. Like, I'm for an interview, or even for a podcast. Like, you know, you just feel it, these nerves down in your gut. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Right, and yeah. I found that as well, like, from stress. And I, it was mad. Like, I, I had it, I've been for years, and I was I'd IBS for years, and I didn't know what, what, what it was. I changed, changed my diet around, it was like just FODMAP diet, and it still didn't work. And it was only when I started to meditate. And work on my mental health that completely vanished and it's continu- yeah. it continues to go, like, be gone. But I know when I get back in them stressful situations or them negative thinking patterns, yeah. that will come back and it was totally interlinked with my so, mind. Like. Absolutely, and, and like in mindfulness, we call it the stress indicators. Yeah. So, um, then, and there are some meditations that are there, and like the body scan um, where you start at your toes and all the way up and just see how you are physically. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Checking in at various points as you go along it's a lovely meditation it's about 40 minutes long it's free on youtube it's called the body scan but um the opposite is also true that just as stress you know gets the body sort of all tensed up and you know can cause this gut problems and and stuff like that the opposite is also true happiness going back to your original question also makes the body feel good do you know what I mean? And so peace of mind is something that's very conducive to a healthy body, you know, and mm-hmm. for years, and you know, a lot of these cliches get a hard time, but they're around for such a long time because there's so much depth of truth in them, like that, um, you know, a healthy mind is a healthy body, a healthy body is a healthy mind. Yeah. But for years, these go, like mindfulness is in its very roots at the source of Hinduism and Buddhism and all the rest of it, or even Christian meditation. Um, you know, that this idea of calming this mind of ours is always a good idea, right? Mm. Whether it's, you know, somebody who's suffering from depression, somebody who's suffering from addiction in all its various forms, people, places, uh, you know, activities, um, you know, codependence, alcohol, all that mm. sort of stuff. The mind is a huge part of it. it yeah. Very often, it's a physical addiction, but, but a mental obsession. Yeah, but when you're te- when you're when you're in addiction, you're not soothing. You know, because you have a sore knee or a sore ankle. That's not why you're indulging in drink or cocaine. No. It's your soothing inner turmoil in your mind. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And and for me, that was the the great benefit of mindfulness that led helped me to kind of move forward a little bit was to see that um you know that mental obsession calming that mental obsession Mm -hmm. i was able to see a lot of truths about my behavior so there was workaholism or any ism you know i was able to see that 
calming the mind gives you the transparency that you need yeah. to make better decisions. It's funny you yeah, said yeah. isn't there, you know, if drug alcoholism or walk yeah. is workaholicism, yeah. you know, that someone said to me, What does the ism stand for? Oh yes, I am. Is mm. oh, I sabotage myself. You know? Brilliant, yeah. It's so true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. very true. <laughs> Um, I never heard that before, but that is exactly what it is. It is sort of self annihilation, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and like having the 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 um, the peace of mind to do it. Like, I what I would say to your audience is, um, don't launch into uh, mindfulness or launch into meditations. You know, expecting uh, you know your world to change. Like it can be boring. You know what I mean? Like yeah. meditation can be boring if um you know yeah, you're doing it like doing your homework. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It isn't like that. It's got to be built into your life where it's adding something rather than, you know, being a chore. You know, yeah. so I for most people who are starting mindfulness or whatever, I would always say to them, first of all, don't try and sit in silence and that there's lots of guided meditations on Mm. Um, the uh, on YouTube, that you know, the some of the monks that are out there, like you know, uh, mm. natural great peace, so Rinpoche, and then there's a famous book called Full Catastrophe Living by John yeah. Kabat-Zinn. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, John Kabat-Zinn is um, you know, the guy that I whose body scan is again free on YouTube. So allow yourself to be guided mm-hmm. to because again, it takes a while for the mind and uh, to stop jumping yeah. monkey mind, you know, jumping all yeah. over the place. So if you have a guide, it's sort of taking you from top to toe or whatever, if it's a, if a body scan or do things like you're doing, like in terms of jumping into the sea, when you're in the sea, be aware that you now yeah. are a girl. or be aware that your breath is regulating yeah Uh, you could be driving the car feel the texture of the steering wheel on the arm even like washing your hands you just feel the texture of the water yeah and so i would recommend anybody that asks me um for uh, some um sort of guidance whatever and that i would always say to them for the first two or three weeks don't do much more than maybe 10 minutes mm. in the morning 10 minutes in the evening but be there for the 10 minutes yeah, yeah. and someone said like, the perks of meditation is not what it gives you it's what it takes away so taking away fear anxiety you know down you know sorrow grief you know all these things that we can be yeah. troubled by you know and then just coming back into the present moment you're like yeah, no, that's actually that important. Like, you know what I mean? And I have to keep catching myself because I can go down all these rabbit holes in my head with like kind of worry or worry about just the bit of the bills or the promotion or the, you know, and then when you come back, bring it back to the now, bring it yeah. back to the present and then all that stuff fades away. Absolutely. And like the thing in mindfulness, um, I often advise people to create what I call a mindfulness diary. Mm. And what that is, is like if you're... Um, in a bit of meditation 10 or 15 minutes allow like it isn't just uh, blocking out the realities of your life like you say everybody has concerns about bills and survival and relationships and all different things that you know so listen to the music certainly and listen to the breath for the first few minutes and then turn your attention towards you know what's actually in the mind because all our suffering arises in our mind 
So turning towards the um, issues mindfully and allowing them to come up like, you know, the credits at the end of a movie. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like just allow, so you're actually turning towards them and recognizing that, yeah, these are issues. But what I found really useful was in that day, probably 80% of them are not in that day. They're probably in the future sometime. And a lot of them could be some, you know, um, MGM movie that you're making about something that might happen or whatever. By turning towards them, you're actually acknowledging them. And you're sort of saying, okay, well, here's a genuine concern that I have. It might be about a loved one that's going to be in hospital and meeting them next Thursday or whatever. Say, well, okay, Uh, there's nothing I can do about that today. But on Sunday, I'm going for a walk. I'm going to actually allocate time to think about that then and think about them or whatever right and then this is a movie a nightmare that i'm making there's absolutely no evidence on it so i'm not i'm going to let that one fade into the back of my mind right and i'm left with what i can deal with that day do you know what i mean Mm. and you know if it arises again during the day say i know i will i've i've blocked out you know a bit of time on sunday for a walk down the pier and think about that you know what i mean yeah so you don't end up with your mind like a jar of wasps for yeah. the day do you know what I mean yeah, you yeah. end up with what you can deal with and, that day and yeah and it's about giving the time that transition as well because when I went from like that party lifestyle you know it was, and then, then going to like meditation like it was like going from a Formula 1 driver to fucking walks in the park like you know it's like yeah, you're yeah. going this intense buzz and now it's like you're sitting there you have to yeah. sit with yourself and you just so I, I really struggled with it at first like you know mm-hmm. what I mean but then slowly like if you can do it for a minute a day to mm-hmm. a minute and 30 seconds and you know and that's what like and, that, and that's why that transition was that I was going from filling a void with anything I could find on the outside of myself and I can still I can still do you know my problem is not I'm not a slow learner I'm a quick forgetter you know yeah, that, yeah. you know I'm going from filling a void with you know all this external things to try and fill it with something more like with meditation like you know yeah. what I mean that no, what happens is I remember when I uh, started a practice and you know I was after personally sort of making some major changes in my life you know and um, so in the first like four or five years, I, I lost about three or four stone. I started um, um, meditating every morning for a couple of hours. And, you know, I was uh, reading lots of books and everything. And I was never so bored in my life. I was kind of miserable on the inside and then presenting this sort of, Lama Rinpoche to the outside yeah. world <laughs> that I couldn't live up to. You know, yeah. as you say, you have to be practical. Yeah, you build these things in where they bring value and they're useful. Do you know what I mean? And like you say, a little bit. Um, my mom used to always say a little bit and often. You know. Yeah. Um. Just you know, build it into your life where you have this practice that you turn up to, and uh, that you've set out for yourself. 10 or 15 minutes listen to your favorite song listen to every note that's mindfulness um, and then turning towards what's on your mind write them down whatever only sort of recognize stuff that you can do in that day mm. and create a mindfulness diary for the stuff so that you're not denying anything and yeah. there's just more and more 
what happens is you get more clarity of mind. Yeah. And you can start to make good decisions. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're making yeah. investments in your own in your own kind of well being, you know, you're planting them healthy seeds, really, like yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like and yeah. if it is like, you know, it and any that, that like that long term, you know, it it is gonna be you know, it, it is going to fucking, like, stand by it, like, you know, and a lot of the time we want that quick fix, you know, we want, we want immediate results, like, yeah. I've been meditating for two days, yeah, always my life's so tragic, but <laughs> we went to the gym three times and I still haven't got a six pack, what's going on, like, you know, we well, want, I was going to say that, like, you're obviously with fitness background, personal training background, like, if you were coaching somebody and, you know, if you see mindfulness like a muscle, they're not going to have great quads and pecs and, biceps and all the rest of it in the first week or two mm. it's probably going to take a couple of months isn't it it's like anything yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it's and the same thing yeah. it's about like consistency but see the thing about the gym is like you go to the gym and you will ask a million different guys up in the gym or girls like oh, how do I get big arms or how do I get a six pack or how do I get big legs and they'll all have like a different oh, you need to hang upside down or you need to eat green bean, beans 2am <laughs> in the morning you need a fucking you know whatever, do a million reps, do two reps, but they'll all agree on one thing, it's like keep showing up and just doing it, That's you know, right, keep yeah. doing the act, like, you know, and it's like that with anything, and I say with the mindfulness, and sometimes, for me, I had to fake it till I make it, you know, get yeah. it, get in the position and just do it and, and act it out, like, you know what I mean? Non-judgment is a huge part of, um, of mindfulness, it's actually, in the foundations of mindfulness, it's the very first step and become an impartial witness as in just like an interested observer of your thoughts without judgment that's that's probably it takes a while for that to drop but it's wonderful when it does because you stop beating yourself up you know what i mean or you're just noticing like those credits at the end of a movie you know what i mean you're just noticing what's going on and you're starting with more clarity to make decisions in your own favor do you know what i mean good decisions and things like that and as that develops out, you know, uh, this idea then arises, oh, hold on a sec, who is this observer? Who's observing this thought? Where do these, where does the suffering arise, mm-hmm. arises in the mind? And how is the body? Who's this observer of the body? For the first time in my life, I was starting to sort of say, I thought I was the body. I thought yeah. I was the mind. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then my... Um, teachings and my teacher you know so said to me um you know well is the body observing you or are you observing the body mm. and like that's a very simple question but for me um i kind of said hold on a sec yeah i am observing the body if i go through a body scan i'm observing how's my legs how's my back all that sort of stuff and then in th- the same became i realized the same was true for my thoughts that my thoughts are something that, you know, obviously had got me in, you know, a lot of trouble in terms of, I never knew the thoughts weren't facts. So anytime I was triggered, I was gone on a roller coaster. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? so you think getting off, I have a headache, oh, you've only got a week to live, or, you yeah. know, you think the tragic, you get a missed call, or someone's passed away, or I bet you my girlfriend's having an affair, or, you know, yeah. the maddest, crazy assumptions that come to our heads. And, and they become facts. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. mad. And like, then you start to realize, hold on a sec, well, if those thoughts weren't facts and there's piles of evidence to show that they weren't facts, yeah. you know, probably 99% of your thoughts aren't facts. 
And you start to actually stop taking yourself so goddamn seriously, yeah, as they yeah. say in America. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. uh, you start to get a little bit more clarity, a little bit more distance between what I would say that observer, that true nature of who you are and your thoughts. And uh, you start to actually um, enjoy it. Yeah. Then, you know? Yeah. Go, yeah. And it is, it is that thing, like you, when we can spot a thing and say, right, why? I have no evidence to back this up. And I hear someone say, what does fear stand for? Is future evidence appearing real? Absolutely. And to start to question everything, like if the thought yeah. comes to me, mind, it's like, who put it there? I didn't put it there. It doesn't mean it's a fact. It doesn't mean it's me. It doesn't represent me or my beliefs or who I am. Like, you know, and let it float in and float out as if it was a cloud, like, you know? Absolutely. And like a lot of the teachings say, a lot of people are going east for, um, you know, spirituality and spiritual practice and all the rest of it. And the reason for that is that it's just what you said there, you know, um, future evidence appearing real. You know what I mean? So a lot of the teachings in terms of, um, say, Hinduism or Buddhism or Jainism or what all of these different, um, you know, belief systems over there are underpinned by the mind being what they call Maya illusion, mm. right? And so it's just, it just struck me as speaking there, appearing in the mind. So it's a bit like they would have a view that the mind creates the suffering, right? And we need to realize that the suffering is in the mind. It's not who we are. We're observing the suffering. And meditation is great for over a period of time, creating that little gap between you and the suffering. Mm -hmm. I'm always amazed, like if I have a sore knee, um, it's bruising on my knee. I'd say, oh, there is bruising on my knee. I'm observing it, right? But if I've been bits like, and, and I'm anxious, I'd say, I am anxious. Mm. But it's not true. I'm just observing that there's anxiety in my mind. Mm. And that gap, that's the great thing about mindfulness. Being able to create that gap gives you more of a chance to do something about it because you're also seeing that you're also a son, a brother, friend you know a professional whatever you're starting to get perspective and when you think you are anxiety how can anxiety fix anxiety just that little gap helps yeah and and again with anxiety so we start to label things very important in our lives but we have to question like why am why am we putting such um expectation on this thing why am i making this so important in my life you know and i think i think we were chatting about this earlier on as well like you know that at the end of the day or at the end of your life like what you but the only thing that would be standing around you are all the relationships that you form throughout life like at the, at the front row of your funeral you won't see your fucking you know your, your your mercedes or your your pen your penthouse or whatever or your, your merit medal you know it would be the the relationships that you formed so i think that's for me is, is number one is my mental health you know and number two is, is the relationships that i formed around me like you know what i mean that to make sure that i that my my own well-being is is okay and then the relationships around me are okay and, that, and after that nothing like everything they're, they're my they're my priorities like and if they're okay then then i'm generally okay like you know yeah, absolutely and, and like ultimately as human beings you know we want to be loved Right, and you know, we want to give love and we want to receive love. Giving love is, is kind of handy enough because you're in control, but receiving love, we need to make ourselves vulnerable, do you know what I mean? Because you have to drop the arms and allow yourself and allow people to be intimate with you. 
these things arise in mindfulness. Do you know what I mean? And and um, one of the great things about mindfulness is that it is a bridge to getting to know yourself more because you become friends with your thoughts and like over a period of time, you know, the sort of um, demons or the sufferings or whatever become familiar. Do you know what I mean? The Dalai Lama would say, bring in your demons as your friends and sit them around your table and like get to know them and say, you know, you're welcome here, but you tell me lies, but you're welcome here. Do you know what I mean? Like befriend them. Do you know what I mean? And uh, and it's a nice sort of, um, I suppose, metaphor for self-awareness. The more self-awareness you have, the more I think you can be there for others as well. Yeah, if that makes yeah, sense yeah. yeah that's beautiful yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love that yeah and like do you, do you find that is there a time when like when you're just in so wrapped up in, when we're wrapped up in suffering or anxiety that it's not like to train your mind to say oh I'm, I'm, my head's wrecked now so I'm going to go meditate I just had an argument I'm going to run home and meditate yeah, usually it's like oh my head's wrecked I'm going to eat this fucking slice of cake I'm going to take this drink I'm going to do you know you need to vent out and something it's not always that oh I just need to go and meditate like you know yeah. Now meditation isn't like it's not like it's you're not angry. Like it's like you're sitting there and angry. Like, meditate. <laughs> I'm gonna meditate. Yeah. Oh, um, meditating is not like medicating. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, they sound so But what happens really for me would be that um, you know, first of all, like you mentioned, relationships. So mindfulness isn't a place in your house where you go to. Mindfulness is something that goes with you. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And so there are um, some techniques, that, and again, they're all available on the internet. Or you know, if people contact you or whatever, I'll send you all, all the notes that I have on the the course that we do. But um, I'm sure if you have a website, you can send them out to people. But like, there's like three minute meditations in panic situations, but they are available yeah. on YouTube as well, and really beneficial because. You can actually go to the loo or whatever and just, you know, breathe and then start to uh, see that. Hold on a sec. Um, I'm here, right? Um, this is not going to kill me or whatever is going on. Um, you start to sort of get a little bit of a distance between you and the situation all in a few minutes. And then most importantly, as you say, having people... Mm -hmm. um, that you know that you love that are there for yourself and being able to sort of have the presence of mind to what we always talk about the spirituality of ratting on yourself you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> being able to make the call and say I feel this yeah. so mindfulness doesn't have any judgment good or bad so being able to say I feel and I, I feel all the time I actually feel afraid today do you know what I mean and being able to hear myself saying that, yeah, the uh, or I notice fear uh, yeah. today. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And then you know you can get kind of things in perspective. We had yes, there's fear there, but I'm also a friend. Yeah. I'm also, um, you know, a husband, a father. I'm all of those things as well as this thing. So. Mindfulness helps where the one thing doesn't become everything and take over your mind. Like the mind, is, as I said, it's a wonderful slave, but it's a terrible master. If you put your um, focus uh, on one particular issue, it illuminates in the mind. Do you know what I mean? 
So that can be positive or negative. That's like the whole thing. thing. If yeah. you're like wanting to buy a white Jeep and you go outside, all you see is white Jeeps everywhere. That's right. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Folks, and Absolutely. And if you put, if you illuminate the anxiety, it becomes everything. Do you know yeah. what I mean? If you illuminate um, the positivity, it becomes everything. And so those kind of techniques are always very useful in terms of knowing that mindfulness is exactly what it says, you know, becoming focused, you know, on something that's arising in the mind, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And starting to see the reality of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's powerful. So tell us more about the course you do. And the the course that I deliver. Yeah. It? Yeah. Um, so it was actually um, over the eight weeks, basically, it's for people who um, I actually just they're all over the place on, on in Dublin people are delivering that for me I do it I, there's kind of a bit of a selfish motive it's something you always talk about which is keeping the memories green mm-hmm. you know so um, I'm participating in it and it's sort of uh, keeping sort of um, all of those reasons why I did it alive still in my life mm-hmm. and so over a period of sort of an eight week practice what we do is basically go through the foundations of mindfulness and then introduce people to just beginning a practice you know um like i say five to ten minutes every day and then starting to um sort of build that out to incorporate things that you can use mindfully you spoke earlier on about your sport or sea or boxing or writing music or whatever driving a car how often do people drive to work and not remember the journey yeah do you know what I mean so you start to bring it into your life and actually start to experience your life yeah. in some cases um there's lots of people who've done the course have said I actually didn't know that such and such house was just like down the road there I walked past it every day for the last 20 years yeah. and I never knew that there was blah 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 so it's about starting to become present in your life and in a mental way but also um starting to experience nature for example go for a walk and you know really um sort of feel the ground under your feet all those kind of things there's that and then we do mindful yoga as well so um at a certain stage it's about you know learn, learning what is yoga i mean mm-hmm. yoga is not um, I'd be a big critic of yoga in the sense in the West. Yoga <laughs> is not what you see in the West. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you only give yoga, yoga to a yoga pants friend. Don't yeah. You? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So uh, yoga actually means union. So it's about becoming um, sort of, you know, uh, engaged in your own life and engaged in, um, you know, nature around you and stuff like that. So there's that, and then there's um, mindful eating. Um, so becoming more mindful of um, what you put your gob and also tasting it for probably the first time yeah it's all right for you athletes but us chocolate eaters we like to taste it and it is that but like mm. if you can like, be mindful and present and 
in everything that you do. When you, you said about your, your friend, like, uh, noticing things for the first time, I'm like, I'm not, when I used to walk, I used to just look down at my feet. I'd only notice my feet or the ground or the path. I'd know every crack and area on the ground mm. because it was just so wrapped up in my mind and my worries and self-pity. And I'd see every crack on the ground, whereas now I look up. You know, if you see me on the street, you're guaranteed to see my apple, Adam's apple because my chin is always raised high now. Yeah, wrapped around in my head you know yeah. and when he actually said to be more present and look around look as if you just got off a spaceship and it's yeah. the first time you've ever walked on earth and you've noticed people and you and he actually said to observe and notice things like, you right, know what yeah. I mean and yeah. that's uh, yeah. and that that was a that was an incredible tool for me to actually yeah. just start being more present and walking washing my hands eating my food I get up in the morning and have my hand one hand on my phone the other hand have a fork and I'm looking at the phone and I even eat I'm looking down and she's real I was like oh, and I have chewing my food mm. I'm updating the news eating my food update the news again and I'm working you know and I'm never like never present like you know exactly. what I mean exactly it only takes 10 or 15 minutes to enjoy the food yeah we need about 10 or 15 seconds yeah <laughs> yeah on other part of it, it does yeah. but most importantly the people that we love you know yeah. that when you actually are with you know the people that you love whether it's parents or brothers and sisters or friends yeah romantic relationships friendships all the rest of it the idea that without getting awkward or making them feel awkward you know what i mean yeah. but actually being there with them you know what i mean and that both people actually experience a much yeah. higher um, feeling you know yeah, and then it's the other side of it so if you're around family and like, sometimes you can feel uncomfortable or even as a kid you know we would have grown up in a somewhat dysfunctional home very loving family but it would be fucking like dysfunctional and I, I think we, we learned to switch off when things got stressful that would yeah. be for a distraction when we felt uncomfortable or, you know we didn't discuss stuff you know what I mean so I, I try and be present even when we feel uncomfortable like even if you're in family situations and particularly at Christmas now everyone has the fucking the Brady Bones type of family like you know what I mean there are some right. people around families where they might feel uncomfortable or the need to want to mentally escape or be distracted and that's what I found that I, I started to grow and I started to say no no I'm not going to kind of sit with my phone because I, I don't feel comfortable here I'm going to be more present and, yeah. and feel my feelings and feel why I feel like this and particularly around relationships like, yeah. you know but relationships you know are um you know, complex and and but particularly in family there's a lot of water under the bridge yeah. do you know what I mean? but again using mindfulness um to, as you say just be present mm. you don't have to be shooting the gob but you can you can be there with them that's probably the first part yeah. of healing a relationship yeah. being able to hold it and be with it isn't yeah it? yeah 100 yeah. and i find that you know like if you know if i'm around family or friends and you know the, the the tough relationships now. You know right. that if I don't, my, my, that I'm around that I'm not gonna try and react or, or try and fix them because yeah. that was my old default. I started when I'm talking to someone, a family member, and they're probably just telling me the situation. Sorry, I haven't even heard the the full of the situation. Already, I'm telling them, oh, you know what you ought to do. You need to do this. <laughs> it's like that's uh, the Coldplay song. It's the scientist. I will try to fix you, and that yeah, is it. You know, just trying to fix it. And it's not your responsibility to fix anyone, Colin. You know what I mean? That's Everyone's right. Everyone's on their own journey, and, and it's usually good manners to wait for it. An invitation, yeah, yeah well, like, what do you <laughs> or to yeah. be asked. I'm waiting for Joe Boyden to ring me and be like, "What, what do you think of this? What do you?" <laughs> this is what you should be doing, Joe. Where shall we? Where will I tell you? That's right. And I think that again, just balancing that into life to ask, answer your your question on happiness. 
the strange thing that happens then is that over a period of time um, what you're starting to notice that a lot of suffering arises in the mind you're starting to get to know your own mind a lot more mm. and like the mind without suffering is happiness you know yeah. and because you know the addictive happiness that we spoke about earlier on about the car and the girlfriend and all this kind of thing and uh, getting the right this and the right that is all temporary the strange thing about this is if you make it it's a it's why they call it practice do you know what I mean? that if you actually become more familiar with your mind and you start to see you know as an interested observer of your own thoughts the regular ones the traps the stuff you were showing me earlier on about keep going up and down the same street falling into the same oh. sort of manhole and then eventually you walk around it yeah. when you've actually yeah. hurt enough you know mindfulness actually does that because you're becoming more and more self-aware yeah. do you know what I mean and then you know with the reduction in uh, suffering because you're becoming more aware making the right decisions then what happens is peace of mind as you call it yeah. arises you know yeah. what I mean and you also have you know you will have days when you're off you know um but you've had you have start to have experiences that are geez I you know I've, I've actually been light for the last week yeah. do you know what I mean and you know, enjoy it you know what I mean and um then when you're off you know that there's a place you can go to mm. do you know what I mean you know that there's a place where you can actually write it all down the artist's way, which is just empty your head and your thoughts and then just mindfully observe them and stuff like that. So I think, you know, coming back to where we started in terms of happiness, what is happiness? Happiness for me is, you know, traditionally uh, was an, a, an addiction that I chased all the time and wanted sort of temporary, hair, you know, hits and all that sort of um, what's happening now, what you describe as peace of mind or joy, is something that actually illuminates within you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it happens by just having a simple practice and doing the stuff that you're very good at, which is, you know, looking after the body, creating a practice, going for a swim, all those kind of things. And then also um, having that space where you're not denying anything going on in your life, yeah. but you're getting more and more perspective and you're able to sort of not be panicked all day long about something that's happening next Tuesday week. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're going to actually start to actually create that little mindfulness diary and, and yeah. make a plan for that. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So you end up in the day being able to cope yeah, with what's that's it. Yeah, it's, yeah. And it's, like, it's, it's overcoming our own defaults. You know, like the, the only mindfulness and watching, observing our thoughts is unnatural. Like it, it yeah. takes tasks to do that. Like you know what I mean. Yeah. And so it's about I suppose rewiring our own defaults. I swear our old default was to yeah, wake up in the morning, look at the phone, meet with food, and not be present. Like you know. So it's about when Edgar Tolley talks about your most present when you first realize you're not present. Like you know what I mean. And that's, that's when right, you're most yeah. present. Because like, you know? you're observing it, yeah. yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And, and the ironic thing about like, the word mindfulness is like full, full mind, your mind's full. Is that ironically, it's actually mind emptiness that you're, you're, you're seeking, like, yeah, 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 just to re reduce the thoughts, you know. And it is like um, that jar of wasps, you know, sometimes where you're just so in it that you're and you're so attached to it that you feel there's no way out of it, and then all of a sudden, poof 
that cloud has passed the one that you really thought was going to annihilate you so there's so much evidence when you actually take the time out and start to look at all these thoughts that arise that appear as facts this no i know the 99 percent of them of the other ones didn't this one's going to kill me you know what i mean yeah. but it never happens you know yeah. and then also when something does happen in your life um you know in terms of you mentioned the shauna cabinet foundation like when shauna who had cystic fibrosis most of her life when she started to practice mindfulness she actually really um you know she was probably in her mid-teens or whatever but she found that she was able to sort of accept the fact that she'd be in and out of the hospital mm. quite regularly and uh, she found that she was able to sort of um you know use what she um her breath to actually help herself because with people with cystic fibrosis they need to actually do breathing exercises yeah. to uh, you know to get up sputum and stuff like that and she absolutely loved it and um and then over over time um then you know she started to uh, really use it for um wherever she was traveling do you know what i mean that she'd actually really be there she started to help a lot of people um in terms of like she was in soup kitchens yeah, and all that yeah, sort of yeah, stuff you know what I mean? yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's, yeah it's, it's, it's great nearly you know? accidental like she discovered accidentally like it was just to improve her breathing but then yeah. got the mental advantages of it like yeah, yeah it's great and uh and then also she started to realize that um i mean she saw was say um if uh i said if you didn't have a cf she said you know uh, what do you think you'd practice mindfulness yeah. and she used to say like i don't know what i would be if i didn't have cf because cf is not something that i know what it's like not to have you know the yeah. so her clarity of mind was actually yeah. it was almost like she was looking at me saying dad that's a stupid question so how do i know what it's not like to have it and uh, yeah. you know that sort of presence uh, was there yeah. And then she was able to go on and travel the world like you did. She um, went over to uh, actually with uh, Dave. Um, Dave Coleman. Coleman, yeah. I don't actually want to know what happened in Indiana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think they were very mindfulness uh, okay. in terms of. Um, Dave's got a mention there. Open now. smoke and all. Yeah. <laughs> but no, they had to uh, travel around. She finished her degree. She was able to actually be there in her life. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Shauna, she's yeah, a great yeah, girl. I yeah, remember, yeah. Yeah. Tell us, so tell us more about the, the Shauna Cabinet Foundation. So the Shauna Cabinet Foundation is actually there for um, families and uh, for patients uh, who are uh, in hospital and have regular and long stays. Um, it was actually founded by Shauna. Um, her and I were walking around the hospital one night and um and this is so classically shown that um there was a lady uh, at the um parking um machine you know and we knew that she had a son who was really really sick uh, in the hospital and they had been there for you know regularly for three month stays and all the rest so on top of all of that worry that she had in fact i think uh, the kid was a bit fast right she had her handbag upside down and was trying to shake out a few coins um, to pay for her parking ticket. Do you know what I mean? Mm. 
And a lot of people, you know, wouldn't realize that the extra cost on a family who have somebody in in a long term, um, you know, stay in hospital, the stuff that the extra costs are like obviously parking, food for, um, you know, the family. Not everybody loves hospital food, mm-hmm. <laughs> understatement of the year. So um, she said, she actually said to me, look, you're probably going to be walking this planet longer than me. And she kind of knew, you know, uh, herself. And uh, she said to me, if, if you're starting a foundation or charity, don't be building statues or stadiums. This is a practical side. Raise money for people. Because when she was born and we used to be over and back in Crumlin, like we'd fall way behind our mortgage in uh, over a period of two or three months if she was in hospital. You know, we were trying to get off the ground, all that kind of stuff. Mm. And um, so the practical things. So we raised money. We did um, some great stuff from Dylan uh, and all his mates cycled from Malinhead to Mizzenhead and they raised money. And then we also did uh, sort of the women's uh, mar- uh, t- marathon and then people are just doing stuff out of the blue itself and basically um we've actually managed would you believe to uh get money to the kids with cf who were homeless they're actually imagine in this day and age that there are kids who are homeless Mm. with cystic fibrosis we've got um just eat vouchers then they're giving every kid that has cf and then we're expanding it now into the other long stays um, get uh, just eat vouchers, all practical things without trying to run yeah. IBM with it, you know what I mean? That kind yeah. of thing, yeah. and that's, that's powerful. Man, uh, look, I, I, I don't know if I ever said this to you, you know, but I remember, um, I remember at Shauna's funeral, you know, and uh, you know, I remember after the funeral, you know, you were outside, obviously, you were surrounded by people, you were so on, and uh, you know, and I remember, you know, everyone going hugging you and all after, after Shauna's funeral, and uh, I remember I, d- I didn't know what to say to you and I got to you and I just remember giving you this big hug and, and you turned around to me and I, my dad wasn't, he wasn't very sick but he wasn't well at the time and you just said like, How, how's your dad doing? And I was just, I was just gobsmacked, like you're going, you're just losing your daughter and you're still concerned about other people, you're still kind of, how are you? And I remember just leaving that and going, Jesus Christ, like that man, like, you're just such a beautiful man, like to go through that and then you're still worried about other people and what's going on in their lives. And that mm. just, I remember getting just everything with her, that just getting so emotional. And then we obviously seen you down in, you know, we, we, were, we were on kind of the 12 step program, you know, we yeah. saying that and I seen you there and you still sharing about your gratitude and your love and about your, your love for life even after that happened. Like, you know, it always, yeah. it always just stems gratitude in me when I think about that, like, you know? I think we're, we're you know, um, we're all human, you know? Some of us feels like it's a little bit more, you know? Yeah. But what I found with mindfulness is that, um, that the time that I had and like the times where, you know, in terms of our sort of community, we're kind of there for each other. Mm. And and it's not something that necessarily is a goodness or, or whatever. I think it's something that uh, evolves that unique fellowship, do you know what I mean? That we're aware of each other and we're aware uh, of trying to be there with each other. And for Sean, it was the same. Like I had, you know, 10 or 15 years practicing um, sort of mindfulness with her 
and we ha we had the conversations that maybe a dad and a daughter uh, don't get to have. You know what I mean about what is this life about? Um, is this it? All those kind of things, um, alongside the other practices that we have in our life, and then people like yourself and people coming into our lives, where um, she was able to see that no matter what's going on we have a chance to actually be there for each other do you know what I mean and so I was really grateful and I think that gratitude I mean obviously the um the loss the physical loss yeah. is there but um the gratitude dilutes that that's beautiful oh yeah no that, that's that's beautiful like you know and how you can kind of look back to you know, spend that time in the present you know that like you can't say that you weren't like distracted like you know it is like it is it's really beautiful when you think and even with my own dad you know what i mean the the things that used to drive me mad like you know what I mean? every time i went to my room i always asked for a cup of tea like you had me making cups of tea since i was out of the womb like you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, drive yeah. me mad like yeah. you know 20, 200 cups of tea a day he had but uh and it's the little things like that you know just being able to be present with that it wasn't like the time you went to, oh, to fucking somewhere like out down to spain it was just a time we were just sitting in the car having a stupid chat you know yeah. he was giving me a lift down to down to down to work or give me a lift somewhere and we just had this silly chat and that that was a significant memory like you know what i mean and, and no regrets Colin. yeah no no, no regrets like, yeah. you know that's, that's the most important thing that's the thing obviously you always get yeah. that thing i wish i spent more time with them like you know what i mean and at the time you're like trying to live your life was what in my 20s and like, i don't want to be hanging out with my dad i want to be hanging out with the lads or yeah. hanging out with a girlfriend or whatever like you know and then yeah. obviously when he wasn't well then you know what yeah, you know, when I look back now, you know, I'm just so grateful. Rather than sad that my dad's gone, I'm just grateful for the time that we had. Like, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And it's not really about the amount of time. It's about uh, the quality of that yeah. time. Do you know what I mean? And I think we're blessed that, you know, we can actually know and be present. And mindfulness helps with that, as does all the other stuff. But even our intentions, I think there's energy even in our intentions to be there. For each other and you know to um you know to be able to sort of uh, look back we're all going to die you know what i mean that's for sure and to, and we're all going to have to pay tax. <laughs> <laughs> two things tax yeah. and to die yeah. so i think that yeah. um i don't believe that uh, the situations where we can actually develop that love in our hearts um you know i think that is beyond this physical experience that we're having yeah and um you know i think it transcends uh, all those kind of things and so the experience that you talk about with your dad or me with shauna you know for everybody listening try a bit of mindfulness and try next time to be yeah. really present especially this time yeah. of year coming yeah. to christmas you know just to be mm. in the moment like you know what i mean to be present because yeah. they're the times that you look back on and you cherish and you'll see it significantly like, you know yeah absolutely and uh good time to give presents isn't it be present be <laughs> present so Brian, like yeah, what yeah, what yeah. advice would you give to the to 16 year old Brian just starting off if you go back when i look back um if you could go back if i could go back tell um, yourself yeah the advice uh, i would give is um that you know anything that's outside of you 
that you think you want anytime in the next five minutes um, that is going to enhance how you're perceived by other people is probably an accident waiting to happen <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. and to nurture yourself be there for yourself um, I think that this journey is about you know self-awareness I think it's about self-nurturing and that's not selfish because if you can actually nurture yourself and develop you know a, a relationship with yourself where and your pals where you can actually you have somebody to talk to and all that sort of stuff then and only then can you be there for others because you can't give something that you don't have so that's what I would do for the 16 year old and uh, say to him you know you know be there for yourself don't go for the quick wins yeah. there's probably um more to be uh gained in actually you know being there for yourself and you know developing a kind of a um you know a relationship around you with people who um you know you can actually be honest with and share with and, and all that sort of stuff don't be worrying what people think about you yeah it's all temporary anyway. Yeah. That's powerful. Brian, it's been absolutely emotional talking to you, man. And like, I'm just so grateful that we know you, you know what I mean? And I remember Alex Ferguson, uh, he had a quote, you know, and they're all sitting in the dressing room, you know, and he said, look to your right and look to your left and be proud that these people are the people you're going into battle with. And, you know, not so much are we battling anymore, but we're on this journey and I'm really, really lucky and blessed to have people like you that you can look to me right and say yeah good people on my side and traveling this journey with me so yeah really really blessed to have you in my life friend appreciate thanks, that Colin. appreciate that we're all in it together bro we're all in the same boat man yeah thanks a lot we're all, we're all, what did you say the analogy we're all waves of the same ocean that's right yeah yeah we think that we're all separate waves but actually it's just water water it's just water right. all right thanks friend. thanks a lot